welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Charlie. We've got quite a crew with us this week. I am joined by Bill Dugokensky and Adam Kruse, the owners of Vase and Vessel in Andersonville, and Dara Schumann of Dara Schumann Ceramics. Vase and Vessel opened its doors in September 2022 and quickly became one of Andersonville's favorite shopping destinations for plant lovers, gift givers, and those looking for that special something to create a cozy, interesting, and beautiful home. Dara Schumann is a ceramist working full-time out of the Diggs Chicago, a nonprofit artist-run ceramic studio. She regularly pops up at gallery events, has made dinnerware for Esme's tasting menu, and sells in local shops including Vase and Vessel, Nabir, and Wilder House. Bill and Dara have recently teamed up along with Chicago small business Vicinity Candles to create Vase and Vessel's first original candle. Bill, Adam, Dara, hello, good morning. Good <laughs> All the pronunciations were correct in that, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. good. I always have to double check on that. But welcome to the podcast. We have a little bit of a rainy morning here today, but we get to sit inside and talk about candles and, and home decor. What could be better? And ceramics. So I always like to start uh, just by having our guests give our listeners a little bit of background. Bill and Adam, why don't we start with you as the owners of Vase and Vessel? Sure. Yeah, so my background is kind of interesting. I have uh, my degrees in business and education and worked in higher ed for 20 years. And then COVID hit and as many of us did, like reflected on what I wanted to do next and had always had the dream of having a retail store in Andersonville. So with the support of my wonderful husband, we just did it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, it was that easy, right? Yeah, Yeah, we just did it. Simple. Um, The next day we were open. I mean, I should say we tried, we started at the Andersonville Galleria as sort of a test and learn environment. I really loved being part of that community and then opened the doors to the store a year ago in September and have just been loving it. Awesome. Awesome. Adam, from your side of things. Yes. So I, I am uh, by background, a lawyer and I still am a full-time lawyer and I am kind of the the uh, background support to my husband uh, in running Vase and Vessel. I do all the super glamorous jobs like, you know, breaking down boxes for recycling <laughs> and taking the trash out and those kind of fun things. You're the intern. I, I am definitely the intern. Yeah. So we, uh, we, like Bill said, we started this kind of together at the gallery as a little hobby uh, during the pandemic. We started in what, June 2020. Yeah, just kind of for something to do. Somebody else was selling plants and we had the opportunity to sell some ceramic vessels uh, that we got. And very shortly after that, we got into the plant business ourselves at the Galleria and it just grew, grew and grew since then. So I have to ask, what is the difference between a vase and a vessel? Oh, <laughs> million dollar question. Um, I mean, every vase is a vessel, but not every vessel is a vase. <laughs> it's one of those. Uh, is that your? Is that on all of your shopping bags? Your yeah, tagline? Uh, uh, but I mean, a vessel is anything that holds anything. So I think we define a vase as something that is specifically designed to hold a plant or flowers or something along those lines. But like a vessel could be like baskets, a box, um, a bowl, word vessels, and you have them all, right? <laughs> yes, we have every vessel. I kind of agree with that. I think that's good. I think a, a vessel is like you hold something in it. It's mm-hmm. more functional. 
and a vase is like more decor to me. Yeah. I think I make more mostly vases, (laughs) not vessels. So let's ask the ceramist for her professional opinion then. Dara, can you tell us a little bit about you? Yes. So I grew up in the Chicago area. Well, grew up in like Milwaukee, Midwest. And then I went to school in Boulder and got degrees in like natural sciences, like geology, ecology, environmental studies. And then once the pandemic hit and I graduated, I was like floundering for a little bit. And I was like, I love ceramics. I like started it in high school and I kept it up throughout college. So once the pandemic hit, I was like, yep, I'm going full time. I'm trying this. So I set up a studio in my apartment. Definitely was not the biggest. My landlord was not a fan of me. Um, I had like clay everywhere and I'd kill them in the backyard that would like shoot out fire. So that wasn't great. But then I moved to Chicago, uh, like back to the Midwest. And that's when I pretty much started full time ceramics. And I work out of the dig Chicago. It's um, an artist. Well, you already talked about that. No, tell us a little bit about it. It's an artist-run community. It was actually started by two Art Institute graduates, and they've like created like a super great, cool space for working artists like myself, as well as like community classes. Um, so shout out the Digs. It's great. Do you they have um, a physical location? Yeah. Where so it's, are they? It's in West Town. In West Town. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. So any artist can reach out to the, can do some research on the dig and see what they can do. Yeah. The dig Chicago. Dig Chicago. Awesome. Thank you. So let's dive deep into these vessels here. Uh, I had that written down. That was a joke I came up with earlier. I imagine it was really good and everyone's laughing right now. So before we dive in too deep of home decor, ceramics, um, some context, this is an especially exciting episode and to talk with you all today because we are one celebrating vase and vessels one year anniversary correct Yay. yes <laughs> we're, we're one year and three days old yeah one year Today. and three days uh, <laughs> still in your is this the still your toddler your infant phase yeah, yeah. okay but also because Andersonville Arts Weekend is this weekend. Vase and Vessel is one of our participating businesses. Dara is one of the artists being hosted by Vase and Vessel. And you are premiering the, it's the official release of the new Vase and Vessel candle. Yes. 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 On Friday. Yes. Does it have a, does it have a name besides the Vase and Vessel candle? Um, it is Vase and Vessel signature number one. <laughs> <laughs> with, with the hopes that there are many more numbers to come. Turn this into <laughs> yes. a whole candle collection. Thing. Yeah, we struggled with a name because as I said, I like, we hope this is the start of a line of candles for the store. So we gave it a very like classic classic name number one yeah well you know how excited i am for that bill is very aware of my my love of candles at the vase and vessel store some of my paychecks have gone towards a number of those candles one in particular that we will talk about in a little bit actually so i guess going into the art of this weekend then i would love to hear some inspiration of the candle obviously bill and adam the vase and vessel this sort of idea was conceptualized by you, but Dara, you created the (laughs) vessel for the candle. And then they couldn't be here with us today, but uh, of course we want to call out Vicinity Candles who worked with you to make the scent, correct? You want to tell us a little bit about Vicinity? Yeah, so Vicinity is a great husband and wife team candle company here in Chicago. It was really important that when we picked someone to help us develop the scent that we went with a Chicago-based candle maker 
and we have been carrying their candles in the store since the start of the store. And what's really cool about their candles, if you don't know them, is they made candles based on each of the Chicago neighborhoods. And each of the scents is inspired by the history of that neighborhood. So we carry, I think, six or seven of the different neighborhoods that are around the store, but they have 17 different scents for different neighborhoods, as well as they're debuting a few of the suburbs. So they're a great candle company. And we were really fortunate to work with them on developing the scent and coming up with a really beautiful fall winter scent that is notes of amber and cedar and mandarin and driftwood. So you get to know a little bit about the scent. So it was a fall inspiration? Fall inspiration. Okay. Perfect for the upcoming months. Vicinity Candles is the the one I talked about earlier. They have all those neighborhood candles and I swear I'm not biased, but I have bought the Andersonville candle many, many times. It is just my favorite scent of all of the neighborhoods is the Andersonville candle. There are some other good ones of too. Of course, there's Rogers Park, there's Lakeview, but I cannot deny the Andersonville candle. So we have uh, the scent inspired by the upcoming months and then Dara, how about the vessel itself? And listeners can know that if you'd like to see a picture of the candles, one, you can find them at Vase and Vessel this Friday, starting this Friday for Arts Weekend. But there should be a good old post online on our Instagram and then on our website with some pictures of these candles. But Dara, can you tell me a little bit about the design of the vessel and your process for making that? Yeah. So, well, so you contacted me, Bill contacted me, um, (laughs) for those of you who cannot see who you is. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, he was just like, let's come up with some vessels. So I I made like five different shapes and not knowing, you know, how like a candle is supposed to burn and whatever. Like I had some stuff that like jutted in and for burning purposes, it doesn't work so well. So we kind of narrowed it down to like a cylindrical just vessel, like a plain one, but I added some kind of like rib texture on the outside. So it's super textural. It's a really just great, pleasing shape, good to hold. And also the vessel, like after the candles burnt can be used for something as like a little cup or whatever. And I made some extras and actually sold them as cups. So that's a cool feature of the vessel. And then we came up with three colors that work. We have a blue, a like kind of like chestnutty brown and what's the third one? Oh, and like a cream. Yeah. yeah, like a tan cream. Um, so yeah, that was kind of that. Fit any home decor. Exactly, you yeah. You know, you spend all this time making a piece and then, you know, it seems like, you know, again, I'm unfamiliar with it, but you spend all this time making a piece and you, uh, could could you explain glazing from, you know, creation of the piece to glazing and putting and putting it in the kiln at that yeah. point? Yeah. So there's like ceramics is a never ending hole of things you can discover and play around with. Like I, my focus is on pushing like a wheel thrown form kind of to its limits. So I like it's close to collapsing or there's like a tiny little narrow opening that opens up to like a bigger thing and that could collapse like that. I like to push a wheel thrown form. So when it comes to glazing, I don't dive super deep in it because I think my my art's all around the form. But a lot of people when it comes to glazing, there's a whole chemistry behind it. So it's pretty much just like elements and materials and metals that combine in the kiln it's like i it's there's there's a whole like system of saying how hot a kiln gets 
They're called cones. I don't need to go into this. That's like just, it, you can deep dive, but it just depends when they're heated up, how these elements interact with each other. And based on all of the different chemicals you put in, it could be dark blue or it turns pink or whatever. Um, so I just buy glazes that are pre-mixed, but sometimes based on the clay you use, based on anything, whether the kiln fired correctly, it could come out so differently. So for example, I just unloaded a kiln that I'm not happy with how most of the glazes turned out. Mm. So now I'm like, wow, I used all of this time and energy and then tried out these new glazes that I bought and I'm like so annoyed with them. So now I have to start from square one. But I could like take the time to test everything and like make sure it's good, but I just don't work that way. Mm -hmm. I probably should, but <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy experience. Interesting. I mean, so there's really that uncertainty in the type of work you're making too. With what I'm doing, yes. Yeah, Some yeah. people are like so much more involved in the glaze process. Well, and I imagine, you know, like you said, it's frustrating when you put things in the kiln, they come out and they're not what you expected, but there's almost a sort of an excitement to that uncertainty. You know, you, every time you open a kiln, you're like, there's an excitement. Like Even getting an in, Amazon package or something. Yeah. Where you're like, I ordered this drunk last night. I'm not sure what I got, but I think I'll be excited for what it is. And, and that's kind of what happens. And upon like second look, like some glaze that I'm like, this is the most hideous thing. I'm like, wait, I kind of like this. This is funky. Mm. Like, this is cool. And so hopefully that'll happen in my last kiln I just unloaded, <laughs> but I'll bring only the good stuff. Well then actually, I, uh, Dara and Bill and Adam, how did your collaboration start? Where did you meet? You know, uh, you've had, have you had Dara's, uh, Dara's work in the store before? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we have sort of like followed Dara's work <laughs> even before the store. And like when we opened the store, we were searching for Chicago ceramic artists. And I actually thought her stuff was like too cool for us. Because <laughs> if you haven't seen her work, it's she's just, so out of our league. It, that's what I thought. I was like, oh my gosh, she'll never want to sell in our store. Like her stuff is so unique. Like she's doing work that is so different than a lot of artists in Chicago. So I just like blindly reached out and, and she said yes. So um, we've had pieces in her store and people have loved them. And when we thought about who we wanted to make the vessel, because it was important for us that it not be a mass produced vessel, that it be one of a kind by a Chicago artist, it was just easy to be like, yeah, we want her to do it. Um, and then the five designs, we won't tell you about all of them, <laughs> but they're all beautiful because we might end up using one oh. for number two. Uh, <laughs> Dara, so it's security. All in vain. <laughs> uh, they were just, it was exactly what we were looking for. And her aesthetic just matches the store so well and the colors are beautiful. So we're very, very happy with them. We were nervous about that one blue color. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and been everyone's pictures. favorite. Yeah, I was gonna say, I saw, I saw a picture of them and the blue one is the one I was immediately drawn to. I mean, it's kind of, interestingly enough, it is a very close to an Andersonville Swedish blue as part Ooh. of our, I figured maybe as part of your branding guide, you had the Andersonville Swedish colors marked oh, in sure. there. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely, totally. Um, <laughs> well, Bill, I actually wanna go back to something you said earlier, because of course we love to touch on connections in Andersonville. You said you've always wanted to open in a store here. And I'm curious where that inspiration came from. <laughs> yeah, so I have some of a bit of a family connection to Andersonville as well. My great aunt, my mother's aunt lived here and we, I grew up in the suburbs, but we used to come into Andersonville 
like in the 90s and the early 2000s when she lived here, my great aunt, and we would do the restaurants and walk around. I mean, it was very different then. So we've always sort of loved the neighborhood. And then Adam and I spent, when we moved after grad school back to the Chicago area, we used to come into Andersonville just like for restaurants and the bars. And now we live Andersonville adjacent <laughs> <laughs> in Uptown. Um, but for us, we wanted to be in a community that really valued small business, that valued the sense of like being part of a business community that was geared on like really serving the community. So it made sense for us that like this is where our store would be, especially because we want, well, I really wanted to carry Chicago artists in the store. And I knew that this community had a strong arts background too, that it made sense. And then one day we were walking down Clark street and the space where the store is had a for lease sign on it. And I said, this is it. This is where we like, <laughs> this is where our store should be. This is Yeah. That's wonderful. So Derek, can you tell me a little bit about you? Um, I know you had uh, mentioned you moved to Chicago in 2021. Yeah. So you came and we always ready for our COVID peace listeners. We always come into our COVID section of the of the podcast, but you clearly moved here right at an interesting time. And you said you went uh, full time as a ceramist after you moved here. Mm -hmm. So how was your introduction into Chicago as an artist? You know, did you find that community when you came in? Were you familiar at all with Andersonville when you got here? Yeah, uh, well, I, I just more recently became familiar with Andersonville with Basin Vessel popping up. But my like, I live in River North right now. My parents have an apartment there. So they're like, you want to move back home? <laughs> and so I, I've been mooching off of that for a little bit. But my like area that I kind of am in is like River North and then West Town where my studio is. So mm -hmm. not so Andersonville <laughs> familiar, but I'm excited to get to know it. But we're all about but, local Chicago artists. Yes, too, there we so. go. Yeah. So we're we're same thing. But yeah, so I moved 2021. Things were still it wasn't super locked down, but it was definitely still like it was COVID. But immediately like it was just a game changer. I moved into the space, the the digs with just like a bunch of other ceramicists. And immediately everyone was like, what markets do you do? What stores are you in? What type of work do you do? And it's like so collaborative, so great. And it was such a difference from working out of my apartment by myself, you know, in the height of the pandemic to coming to like a Chicago-based studio that was just so welcoming, so awesome. And I would say that is the reason why I was able to be full-time. Like I think just the community and the space and I know so many other artists and artisans around the city. So it was just a game changer. You know, you mentioned people were asking about what markets do you go to? Mm -hmm. Have you found gateways into these markets? And, you know, even Andersonville, we we have our vintage market. We have, oh, we have Arts Weekend. We do some of those things. Like, have you found a good gateway into those local artisan markets here too? Yeah, I feel like it's hard when you're outside of like the community to find those things. It, it's not like gate kept, but it's almost like a little like underground secret where like, where are all these things? When do you apply? How do you apply? So I think the way into it is like feeding off of each other and like hearing what other people have done and how they've gotten in. But it's, that's kind of like a, a resource that I wish was like a, better thing like here are all the the things you should apply to and when yeah. but i think it's just feeding off of each other and i think that's why like being in a community was 
the way that I was able to find all those things. And yeah. then like, you know, stores who are like, we have a arts weekend, you know, here's the thing. So it's kind of just meeting people and connecting and making those connections to find those opportunities. Do you have, so uh, my next question kind of comes back to one of uh, Vase and Vessel's anniversary. And then Dara, obviously you've been here about two years now. Yeah, I guess I then it's close. Yeah, close to three. Close now. to three. So and Bill, it's interesting just because you mentioned that you used to come to Andersonville all the time and you commented that things are different. So besides when you came here before and things being different, you know, Basin Vessel has been open for a year now. And I'm curious how things have developed, you know, how you've seen the neighborhood change and evolve uh, and your your business along with it, because you opened, you know, 2022 was obviously not the end of COVID, but lockdown was done. Everything was pretty much open back up at that point. Well, depending. But how have you seen things evolve and change in the year since Vase and Vessel opened? Yeah, I think what we see is like a lot of people spend more time at home now too, like post pandemic. So I have seen with our customer base, even since when we started at the Galleria, about people really valuing sort of these like unique one of a kind pieces. And we've seen that with a shift from sort of what, if you haven't been in our store, we have house plants, we have home decor, we have all of these artist pieces, and then some items that are home decor that are more mass produced pieces. And I think people are shifting towards wanting the unique one of a kind pieces in their home, whether that is I'm shopping for a ramen bowl and I want to buy one of the artist pieces that has a beautiful glaze and a beautiful feel to it, or I want a one of a kind coffee mug so that like my morning coffee ritual is just like slightly more special. Even like we have beautiful handmade ceramic spoons. Like how <laughs> great is it to use a handmade ceramic spoon versus like a stainless steel spoon for like your jam or something in the morning? Feel very fancy. Yeah, you just, I mean, it just elevates some of that like mundaneness. So I think we have seen a shift in customers really looking for some of those pieces, at least in the home decor aspect of the store. And then house plants just continue to be strong. Like I think everyone is like falling in love with plants again. Like COVID helped us all find an appreciation for plants. But I think for those of us who live in the city and maybe have like small outdoor space, like that idea of building an indoor jungle or garden for yourself has been really popular. I also feel like to chime in, um, I think like the pandemic, everyone's working from home now. Mm -hmm. So they want to like curate their spaces in a way that feels like good to yeah. them. And I think Chicago is such a good like maker community mm -hmm. where there's so many options to choose from when you want like a handmade thing. Adam, I'm curious, since opening the store, has your own home decor, or your home decor at your apartment or <laughs> changed and has... I hear a lot about business owners starting to go a little bit crazy with everything they bring in. Uh, from from a home standpoint, how has uh, your your home decor, your art tastes, how has everything changed for you? Yeah, I don't know that we could like brag about <laughs> <laughs> about that because sometimes our home has to become like a little secondary storage area. But uh, yeah, we've kind of channeled all of our all of our home decor inspiration into the store lately and. Mm -hmm. It used to be channeled at home, but yeah, the store has kind of taken over that. So, well, Adam is very good at telling me like, you can't bring that home. You have to sell that at the store. <laughs> but it, it's very difficult because the ceramic artist will bring in new pieces and I collect ceramics personally. So it is hard if like they bring in pieces and I just fall in love with one. Yeah. Uh, so there are a few pieces that never make it to the floor. 
That is very true, though. I do have to edit edit him a lot. I'm like, you, you, that's not for you. You cannot. <laughs> we got to run a business. <laughs> have you seen your, especially with bringing in these local artists that you talk about, have you seen your store's aesthetic change in since opening to now? I mean, uh, has there been a significant shift in the type of product that you want to bring in? Yes, I think so. I think, you know, ideally, we want more of that kind of one-of-a-kind home decor items. Uh, you know, at, at first, we we're very heavy on the houseplants and, and the, the pots for the houseplants. So, you know, as time has, has grown and people have kind of figured out that we're here and, and you know, that we have, you know, some of those really cool one-of-a-kind pieces, you know, and we look forward to continuing to bring more and more of those into the store as time goes on. And we've been lucky, like as the store becomes more known, I have more like artists reaching out to us, like people that maybe I didn't know about because they're not part of the like fairs or I haven't seen them through some of the studios. So they'll reach out and bring their pieces in. And it's a great chance for like new emerging artists to like have three or four pieces in the store and see how their work does and mm-hmm. start to build some of that like name recognition. So I think that's one thing we've seen changed is when I started, it was always, I was always like, was like sort of the established artists in Chicago. And now we're trying to bring in some more of like the emerging artists who maybe do it as a hobby, but their work is beautiful and try to support them as well. Have you found that the community responds to having those local artists, if not more, just they, they like seeing that you have work from these artists in the store yeah i think they love to like see and we have like the biographies of the artists by the pieces and i had a customer in this week she's like she's like it's like a gallery in here (laughs) and i I never thought of it like that i was like this is just beautiful work but it's like a gallery with really accessible pricing (laughs) but yeah i think people love to see it and because they're one of a kind pieces once they sell like there's not another one coming in so i feel like that also helps change over the store aesthetic regularly because someone will buy pieces from an artist and the next pieces they bring in although they still have the identity of that artist might be a totally different style Mm -hmm. so then that changes the feel and look too so dara um i'd love to get your perspective from the artist side of things because um you know you moved here in 2021 and then how have you seen, and then you started working full time, which is as an artist, which is great. Uh, but have you seen, have you felt your own aesthetic evolve and change in the past couple of years? Do you think any of that has to do with Chicago specifically? Um, so I'm curious from uh, the artist standpoint, how have you seen things change and transition? Well, I don't know if it was like in relation to like COVID or, you know, Chicago, but as an artist, I go through so many changes. I think it, it was my changes have come from kind of seeing what is being sold at local markets, I would say. And like, I feel like bright colors and fun stuff kind of sells better. So I'm actually going a little brighter with my work. <laughs> but no, I don't know. I think just as a ceramicist and especially me, I focus on like wheel throwing mostly. So I just keep building off of what I've thrown in the past. and. I don't know if it was like, you know, who knows what like brings about that change, whether it's like 
nature nurture <laughs> yeah, okay. if that makes sense like if my surroundings kind of a little of all of it yeah make yeah. me want to change like post-covid or if it's just kind of an internal building off of my own work but i definitely change my style all the time so if you guys picked out something <laughs> from like a month ago it'll be different from what i'm making now so which is kind of the idea though yeah. you know you want things to change and evolve mm -hmm. i think especially with covid we all kind of had moments of stagnancy in our lives where we're like we need to something needs to change day to day and it's been cool to see how that's been reflected in not just art but even in and especially in andersonville with so much small business in these stores and how they represent themselves adam and bill you know you're business owners you know you own a small business in andersonville and then dara from as a is it ceramicist or ceramist. I feel like I've heard either. Okay. I don't know if there's actually I say ceramicist or like ceramic artist. I usually err on the I usually err on the side of fewer syllables. Yeah, I get um, that. I don't know if there's necessarily like a <laughs> true. I always wonder I too, is there a difference between ceramics and pottery? Oh, see that's a good question. <laughs> oh, see these are the these are the <laughs> philosophical things that we No, uh, there actually is. There is a, uh, and I think, yeah, I, this is what I've concluded. And I think if you do a Google search, it'll be similar, but don't quote me completely on this. But ceramics is like the art of like clay, like clay is the medium, but it could be a vessel, a sculpture, a vase, whatever function. And then pottery is like wheel throwing, whatever. So there's like hand building and wheel throwing. So wheel throwing is like, you're on the pottery wheel, you're making those like uniform pieces a lot of the times for functionality and then ceramic art ceramicists make clay work interesting we learn a lot like yeah. that on here we had a <laughs> someone from a uh, emma from rare form explain to us the difference between vintage and, and antique and it made me very sad because mm. apparently anything 20 years or older is vintage so we're all vintage now. We're all vintage. Um, <laughs> so. Soon to be ending. <laughs> uh, so uh, Bill and Adam, I wanted to ask you about, because, you know, business uh, for a lot of people feels like, can be feel like a very left brain, you know, uh, activity. Uh, running a business is very specific. You have to be on point with all of the uh, logistics of, of continuing a business and keeping it running and keeping it growing. But I would argue that your business sprouts from a right brain creative passion. And even just in how I've spoken to you, Bill, about you know where this came from. And I know you started at the Galleria, which is kind of known for just being a focal point for artists too. So I'm curious when you are looking at local artists and you're talking to them, from your perspective, how have you seen art, especially with what, how what you pursue to have in your store evolve in the past few years? You know, a lot, we've commented a lot of stuff changed with COVID from theater artists, visual artists, writers, and storytellers. How have you seen art change? Yeah, I think, especially when I think about the art that we sell in the store, I think where people are drawn now is more like functional pieces. So we do... A lot of vases, bowls, spoons, small dishes, the candle. Like, how do you incorporate? I think people want to incorporate art in their life, but in a functional manner mm. and less from like sculpture or decorative arts. So we focus, when I pick ceramics for the store, I focus on pieces that people can use in their day-to-day -day life. I think it makes art more accessible to you when your serving bowl is from a local artist or your spoons or your trinket dish 
that you have for your jewelry on your bedside table. So finding pieces that can be part of your everyday life and don't feel like something that you have to put on a shelf or on a pedestal that like you're worried about damaging or breaking or it's too precious to enjoy. Mm. We focus on pieces that like can be part of your everyday life and that you can enjoy in every instance. It's how you engage in that kind of art. You know, as opposed, you know, you can go to a play, you can go to a movie, you can go to a concert, but how do you engage with ceramics? You know, you yeah. use it. You, if you use can. it. I mean, and that's what it's for. Like, you look at the history of ceramics, it was designed as functional pieces. It's just both functional and beautiful. That's kind of funny you say that because I'm like, so I totally agree with you, but I have this weird, like, stubbornness of like i'm like i'm just making a vase it's pretty like can't you just accept that like put it on your shelf you'll find shelf space here's a vase or well i guess a vase is still also functional but i also make like it is a vessel it's a no no a a vessel wait a vase isn't always a vessel vase isn't always that's what no a vessel isn't always a vase vessel but a vessel isn't always a vase so yes you're correct you're correct but yeah sometimes i make like super not functional stuff with like the tiniest holes you can't even get like a a single stem in but i'm like it's art like just take it but i do like i've noticed when i've started making more functional wear like that's what sells at markets but the stubbornness in me i was like i'm a, like i want to make art <laughs> and we but carry both there's yeah no, there's both yeah so they carry both but <laughs> yeah that's and like the artist funny... stuff is beautiful yeah. <laughs> there we go yeah. exactly but yeah that's a struggle as a ceramicist whether you're functional or decorative have you seen i mean uh, and you don't obviously you know sometimes we're forced to do this sort of thing but you don't necessarily want your work to be heavily influenced by those external factors you don't want to think okay this is more likely to sell if it's functional so, I mean, is that something that uh, you have to consider? You've hit on the biggest struggle <laughs> in, in my like career specifically. I think it's hard. It's either I'm like working my ass off and like making just so many functional stuff that I can't sell for a ton because you can't sell like a simple mug for, you know, over $100 or whatever. So, it's either like mass produce, which... I don't love to do. I don't love like making like the same stuff over and over again. This was actually a fun challenge for me. Like I never do like series like that. And so that was really interesting for me. But yeah, I definitely struggle with, do I make something that I feel like is creative and comes from me and I might not be able to sell it because it's hundreds of dollars, but I think it's worth that. But someone else, you know, it's, it's a struggle or you can just make quick, easy money, but do something you don't necessarily love to make just because it sells. Well, it's a, you know, eternal difficulty with, with art where, you know, you're not just paying for the actual piece, the labor involved, you know, it's not like you necessarily sit down and, and get three of these, you know, uh, like four of these vases out in five minutes. It doesn't work that way. So, I mean, you kind of hope people understand how intensive the labor of making these is. And I, I think ceramics is hard too, because it's traditionally functional wear. So when you try to like step out of that and into more of like an artist space, you're still expected to have the price range of like a functional piece. You know, it's like hard to, I did, um, it's called the other art fair. And I did not do well at this because I felt like I was competing against paintings where people think 
this is art, like this is a traditional art form mm -hmm. and then ceramics going into that thing and not like sculptural ceramics. I'm making vases still, but they're like sculptural vases. Yeah. So that's a hard sort of avenue. The, the difference between I don't need a more another vase for more right. plants in my right. in my house, or, but it's yeah, not really that way. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. I feel like it's it's not just for flowers. It's not just whatever. Like I want like a beautiful ceramic piece to be treated as like a beautiful painting. Have you seen um, other artists around you uh, in the city and in the past couple of years? Have you seen people, uh, you know, head more in the direction of of making art for the sake of of either more commercialism or profit? I mean, how have you seen art change um, in your communities, you know, in your community? Well, I think there's a difference in my community right now. It's all artists trying to kind of make a living. And so I think there's a very big difference between artists making a living and, you know, being able to pay their bills every month. It's making a bunch of small stuff and selling that. I think if you're, you have like a, I don't have a, like a schooling background in this. So I think that was the way that I kind of had to make it work. But then there's the like people with a schooling, like a background in ceramics and actually studied it where they're doing more like gallery work and installations. And mm -hmm. I forget what you even asked me. Just uh, how, you know, it's, <laughs> was uh, I it's, answering uh, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, um, you know, how you've seen artists. How other artists. Perspective and personalities, yeah. but also, you know, the way that they're working develop. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, my own familiarity would just be from theater when we, you know, it got to a point especially right after COVID where theaters kind of started just putting on things they thought would make money yeah, to yeah. sustain, you know? Yeah. And like I said, if, if you're trying to work, I think the easiest way to make a living is to make like little things, not so much like fine art. Right. And I think it's hard to break into fine art when you're making smaller, like functional wear. Yeah. But well, and Bill, you commented on, you know, people coming into the store and thinking, oh, my God, this is like a gallery, which is great. I can imagine that's a compliment for you. If it's not, correct me. No, it is. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I would echo the same sentiment, like the struggle of what is art and beautiful and what is profitable, because I struggle. An artist will bring in 30 pieces for me to look at to pick for the store, and I'll usually pick maybe eight or ten. And there are pieces I would love to carry. But when I say like, what do you want me to sell this at? I know I don't have a customer who's going to, or it will be rare. It'll take me a year to find a customer who wants to pay for something at that price point. So we, I struggle with the my right and left brain mm -hmm. being like, I, I'm drawn to this piece. It's beautiful. I want this in the store, but the store needs to be able to pay its bills and like sell the wares. So it's like, then you pick the pieces that you know like people will be willing to purchase. And we try to educate like people who come into the store about like who these artists are and their backgrounds and why this bowl is cost this much because it's handmade and it's one of a kind. And this is the process it takes to get to that. And I think just helping people understand that like when you buy a one of a kind piece of art, like you're not only getting this beautiful item, but like you're supporting the arts, you're supporting someone's career. And yes, it may be like a little bit more expensive than you buying a serving bowl, like at a mass market or national brand. But like, it's so much more than just buying that bowl. Yeah. Well, even to like add from that, like even just not even just the time to make that one bowl. If the bowl is made really well, there's like 10 years of like experience behind that, mm -hmm. you know, so you're also paying for the skill of the person, not necessarily like 
how long it took them to make that specific piece. So that's why I think like as a ceramicist, I know it's like a well-made thing. So if I see a well-made vessel, bowl, whatever, even if it took them two seconds to make it, like they have skill. And I think that needs to be valued. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> taking two seconds to make something is not, you know, going to necessarily be a sign of m- mediocre work because if you're good and you right. know what you're doing and right. putting something together in two seconds is, can be a sign of skill. All right. I want to ask you all a, this is a little bit of a big question. So if you need to take time to think about this, please feel free. We've talked a lot and I love that we've talked a lot sort of about how you've seen art change, but the difference between how people look at ceramics now, either with something functional or something less functional, but how would you encourage either your customers or attendees to a gallery you're in or, or a market you're at? Is there advice you would offer people to encourage them to look at this type of art from a different perspective? You know, it, it seems like it'd be very easy for someone to come in and make a snap judgment. Oh, well, I can't use that as an actual mug, so I'm not going to consider it. Like, is there, Bill, you talked about sort of in educating people that come in about the art. Uh, and I'm curious if you have advice for people to maybe stop, slow down, look at something and consider it from this perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think like for people in the store, I'm like, pick it up. Like that's always like the first piece, like, especially if it's If like, you're allowed to touch it. You're allowed to, yeah. You touch <laughs> it. Ceramics like, should be touched. Yeah, you should, <laughs> it's important. Like you should hold it. Like if it's a bowl, you should hold it with like two hands and feel how it feels in your hands. Flip it over. Yeah, like look at the glaze, like look at the texture, like really like take some time to like look at a piece because like they're so beautiful and like what happens in ceramics between like the glaze and the firing, like it's all just like in the fate of the kiln god. (laughs) So I think like just people are always scared to like pick up the pieces in the store, but I'm like, you have to like look at it, you have to hold it, you have to like see it. And if you have a connection to it, like and you feel something about that piece, like I think you should buy it. <laughs> yeah, I like, agree. There's something like as someone who collects ceramics, like I'll see a piece and I'll just instantly be drawn to it, whether it's the color or the shape or like how it feels. And I think that's always important. And that goes with ceramics, that goes with paintings, that goes with woodworking, like any piece of art. Like I think if you feel a connection to it, it and it speaks to you, like don't let it pass it by because someone else will buy it. And then you'll come back in two weeks and be like, do you still have that bowl? And no. <laughs> someone else picks it up. <laughs> yeah, you know. I actually have like a like true way of knowing like if you're getting something mass produced versus like handmade, if you flip it over and look at the foot, it's called the foot at the bottom, how the artist trimmed it. That is super important. So if you are like, oh, but this vase is $15 versus a vase that's like 80 there's a reason like one's going to be mass produced and one's going to be handmade. And that's super important. Look underneath, see the like artist signature, see the foot, and then you'll know. But you have to study it, but that's important. And keep the name of the artist, whether like we have cards for certain artists or I'll write their names down because you are buying a piece of art that like we have bought ceramics for our personal collection that those artists are now much more well-known and those pieces have increased in value. So, mm-hmm. and sometimes these are investment pieces that will gain value over time. So definitely like keep the information on the artist as well. 
Are there any other tips? Because that I, I like what you said about even just because you know I'm not aware of the, the foot or or yeah. what to look for there. Is there anything else specifically you think is good to look out for to really see the difference between a mass-produced piece and a mass-produced piece and something more, for lack of a better word, authentic? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think the biggest thing is the foot. There's also something called throwing lines where you can actually see the like spiral going up of someone's like finger like throwing the vase mm. but a lot of the times this is hard because a lot of the times mass produced like vessels are trying to imitate those things oh. so it's a little hard but i can definitely tell when something's handmade i think it, you need like more of a trained eye but just like start picking things up flipping them over if you know something's mass produced compared to like compared to something else that isn't and i think you'll start to like see the difference yeah well i mean it's it's interesting that you brought up you know pick you said pick it up because i don't know i go into people's homes and i see these i see these pieces and i think oh well i can't touch that you know i have to be very careful around that but it's not you know a painting hanging in an art gallery you you need to engage it's more it's art that can be engaged with more than i think people think they can i never even you know it's not like i I've been into vase and vessel and I've picked something up and I've looked at it, but I don't walk into stores like that generally and think I can pick this up and examine it and see how I feel about it. So I like that you brought that up. That's a good engaging aspect of this type of art I didn't really think about beforehand. Bill and Adam, you know, I know you, uh, obviously Dara is your artist that's going to be at your store for Arts Weekend. And Dara, I imagine, are you bringing, uh, you're bringing a lot of other pieces with you yeah. as well? I'm going to do like a little pop-up, so sell some work too. Awesome, awesome. Great. Mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> um, I think we talked about that. And then, but you, Bill and Adam, you have consistently a lot of other artists or uh, other local artists work featured in the store. And it's not just ceramics, correct? Correct, yeah. We have over 20 local makers or small brands now. So about a dozen of those are in ceramics. We have local woodworkers, we have photography, we have um, some small, we have the local candle brands, we have a soap maker, small brands in terms of like blankets and scarves. So we try to like focus on local Chicago artists, but also then like sort of small emerging brands that we can get in their products as well, whether those are local or somewhere else in the U.S. Well, small brand is still a small artist, mm -hmm. you yeah. know. Uh, so, you know, we've mentioned Arts Weekend coming up and, you know, the release of the candle is a big one. Uh, I'm very excited for it. But I'm curious for both of you from your sides of things, did you have a goal in Arts Weekend of what you wanted to showcase? I mean, the store is very beautiful, very, you know, the displays are are very well done. Displays are an important part of it. It's a big art part of, uh, you know, what you do. But do you have a goal in terms of what you want people to take away from the art you're showcasing? Yeah, I think just visit the store. We're going to be open late on Friday and open late on Saturday and have artists in. And just like come and see the artist pieces, even if you're not in the like shopping for anything right now. It's just great to come and appreciate the work. My goal would be that all of our artists have a great weekend and we sell out of all their wares. <laughs> um, but that not sure if that'll happen, but like come in. I mean, we have one of a kind pieces like starting at like $10 that you can get like a handmade spoon from Jennifer Chan ceramics or like a small trinket dish. So there are pieces at price points that start there to several hundred dollars to so there's something for every budget. 
and then come in and smell the candle because it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, that's especially excited for that. Bill, a little a little off topic of that one though, but you so obviously as having opened this store, home decor is something that's a passion of yours. I'm the sort of person that I would go into one of these stores and say, I have no idea what would fit in in my apartment or what would look good with this. And I mean, I imagine that's something not only that you are good at, but you enjoy doing, mm -hmm. uh, sort of consulting with people to help them design and a decor and an aesthetic. Yes, and I think there's a myth out there that you have to like, it all has to match and you have to buy it all together and it has to like have this curated feel to it. Like the best home decor is buying pieces that you love and like if they're all pieces that you love, they will naturally go together. So you don't need to come in and buy like the vignette I put on the shelf and be like, I need all six of those pieces. <laughs> like. Pick one, like, and start with that. And it, it, your home should evolve over time, like, so just come in every week <laughs> and pick out a piece and well, see you what's change new. Your display, you change your displays a lot. You know, yeah. I've seen you move the store around a number of times and it always, I mean, you know, you're, you have your aesthetic, but the store changes. Yeah, our goal with the store was always to only buy a few of each piece, like, in terms of the mass-produced pieces. So I may only buy four of a particular vase so that I can constantly bring in new stock and new inventory. So it always feels like there's new pieces. And we try to always make sure those pieces work with other pieces that were there. Mm -hmm. And we see that a lot actually on the plant side of the business with the planters. People, as they grow their indoor plant collection, it's nice that they can come back and be like, oh, I have this blue vase or this blue planter from you from a few months ago and I have new plants and I want something that matches with it, that there's always something that sort of like goes along with that same feel to it. And then for Arts Weekend this weekend, Dara, do you have, um, we talked a little bit about, you know, your colors have brightened a little bit, but uh, is there a particular uh, aesthetic you're working with right now? Uh, is there is there um, a mood or a tone that your art has, uh, the direction your art has gone that you're excited to show off this weekend? Yeah, well, I think so. I I think I'm a fun person, <laughs> and, and I think my work for a while now has been very like my glazes have been very neutral, and I think just the glaze color—it's such a hassle for a ceramicist to figure out what glaze colors to do because you could fire something, but something went weird, and like it just changes in the kiln, or you didn't put it on thick enough, and it's like whatever so i'm just i'm working on trying to find colors that speak to me but the the shapes and and like forms of my work is pretty fun and funky and then i felt like my glazes weren't really doing that so i'm hoping to show some new bright colored glazes i have like a a purple and some orangey peachy and yeah so just trying to showcase well bill commented earlier that you put it in the kiln it's up to the kiln gods it and is. Uh, that's a thing so uh, as we finish up here, I just wanted to ask, we always like to touch on, because everyone has a different story, some, you know, advice or feedback that from your respective industries you may have for, for Bill and Adam for aspiring business owners. And Bill, from your side, you know, especially a right brain person who went and then started a business, do you, what advice do you have 
for either aspiring business owners, aspiring art-minded, art-minded business uh, perspective business owners. I always say- Get like, a left brain husband. Yeah, <laughs> like make sure you're ready for the work. Like luckily, like Adam has been so supportive in this endeavor, like this was a dream. I always say like, I'm living my dream, but it's not always dreamy because it is a lot more work than it ever looks like. And you need a good supportive partner who will be there to like listen to you like vent, <laughs> but also like break down the boxes and take the recycling over and all of the little things that like go into it. So I think just like be ready for three times more work than you think it was going to be. But like something that Adam is very good at reminding me is also to like enjoy the wins because when it's your own business, you're like constantly in it and like you're constantly looking for ways to improve it or make more money or change things. And it can become part of your identity. And I think you have to like, remember that there are wins in there that you should celebrate too, whether it's a good sales day or just a cool new product or a new artist that we have to celebrate those and not always worry about like what's coming next. Yeah, yeah but, and, don't, and don't be too hard on yourself when things don't go your way every single day. And remember that it's, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint, so. Adam, how do we do that? How do we not be too hard on ourselves? Still trying to figure that one out. I, you know, I don't know. Just, <laughs> he's, just, yeah. What I see, like, like what he's talking about, I just, you know, I, like this is this is going, you know, basement vessel is going fine. Yeah. Like a great example is like one of the, like last week or something, or it was like Tuesday. It was like a downpour of rain, and I kept like checking our sales numbers, and like was really frustrated. He's like, it's pouring rain out, like. There's no one in Andersonville shopping today. Like that's no reflection on you or your business. It's pouring rain. <laughs> it just like takes me a minute to be like, okay, like that's okay. Like the next sunny day will be amazing. Yeah. Like, and I think it's just always keeping things in perspective. And he's really good at helping me realize that. It only takes one day to save your week. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. So Dara, what about you for um, aspiring artists out there? You know, someone that transitioned into full-time and have you've gotten your art in so many different places at this point you know what's advice you have for people yeah definitely it's it's hard it's not easy and it's very easy to be like super hard on yourself and not like i could do really well at a market and i'm so like i could have done better like i did not sell out like i could have done better and i think it's good to just reflect and be like you worked your butt off all weekend like that was exhausting just be happy you went there and who knows what opportunities you'll get out of that like yeah it's just good to put your face out there and then i also think like <laughs> this is funny like working for yourself time management is a huge thing too and i really struggle with that that's important and also just be ready to be like poor like <laughs> even if on the outside you yeah. look like you have it going like my like Instagram is like kind of popping off and but like it just doesn't reflect like it's still a struggle every time if you like made a ton of money one weekend at a market you have to get your butt back into the studio and yeah. start again because it's not going to last yeah um you gotta buy more clay yeah and gotta... it's, it's literally just like a non-stop like treadmill like there's no end and somehow I still love doing what I do but <laughs> I think the way that I like beat that and instead of like just being like so burnt out, I just change what I'm making and I'm excited about what I make. And I think I just keep it fresh, like with what I'm producing. So I think that's the way to get out of that never ending cycle. 
But it is. It's never ending. Yeah. No, it all seems never ending, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? Uh, Well, you know, Adam, Bill, Dara, thank you for talking with me today. This has been great. Bill and Adam, where are the best places for people to find more information about Vase and Vessel? Where are you? Um, you know, websites, Instagrams, all of that. Yeah, sure. So our physical address, 5135 North Clark Street, right across from Chase Bank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you can also find us online at vaseandvessel.com and on Instagram, our handles at vaseandvessel or Facebook at vaseandvesselchicago. And Dara, where uh, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, I would say the best place where you can kind of keep up with what I'm making is my Instagram. It's Dara Schumann Ceramics. I probably should spell Dara, D-A-R-A-S-C-H, and then it'll probably pop up ceramics. <laughs> and then my website's daraschumann.com. And yeah, honestly, if you go on my Instagram, you'll see links to everything else. So you'll find what you need on there. Awesome. Great. Well, Thank you again for joining me today. This has been this has been wonderful. So again, for more information on Vase and Vessel, you can head to their website or their Instagram. They are at 5135 North Clark. As Dara mentioned, you can see her work at daraschumann.com. Her Instagram is daraschumannceramics. And of course, you can check out both of them at the Andersonville Arts Weekend this weekend, starting Friday, September 29th through Sunday, October 1st. Dara, uh, will you, you'll be at the store? Friday night. At, on Friday night. Uh, for our night of receptions and parties. That's wonderful. And of course, you can check both Vase and Vessel and Dara's work out at the Andersonville Arts Weekend this weekend, Friday, September 29th to Sunday, October 1st. Uh, Dara will be there on Friday night. Bill, you you and Adam are having a little bit of a party there that night, right? Yeah, join us from five to eight for some wine and cheese and nosh and Great ceramics. Functional ceramics. Uh, and <laughs> and then, sculptural. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then you can also, you can head to our Andersonville Chamber Instagram page or to our website to get a whole host of events on what's going on with Arts Weekend, including our acoustic concert with Dancing Queen on Sunday. Tickets are, for that is on, are on sale now. Thank you again. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.